and by his wounds we're healed. Humanity is healed at a great price. And the price of our healing is the life of God's Son. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. If you would turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. We've been in a series on Jesus, examining his life and his ministry and evaluating our life and our ministries in perspective of his Jesus was the most effective person to ever live on earth, and he's the model on how to live. He shows us a brand new way to be human. And if we follow him, we can walk in this way. We talked about how Jesus was the light. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the son of God. Last week, I spoke to you about how Jesus is a genius and that we can receive the mind of Christ, that our decisions, that our direction, that our lifestyle can change when Jesus becomes the foremost in our life. And today, I want to speak to you from the subject of Jesus, the wounded healer. Jesus, the wounded healer. The book of Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah writes 700 years before Christ was ever on this earth. He he writes these words. He says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. With his wounds, we are healed. God heals us through the wounds of Christ. And he uses the wounded to release healing. So today I hope that our church can walk in the way of the wounded healer. That we would be healed, but also released to be healers. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Jesus, that you came for us when we could not deserve. God, we thank you that you arrived on planet Earth to change us, God. And even today, we know that your presence is here and we are going to be changed. So we love you and we honor you. And God, we give you this moment right now. Nothing else going on and, 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 and nothing else we're looking forward to. All we're looking, all we're looking towards is you. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, all God's people said. Amen. 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 Jesus, the wounded healer. Jesus wasn't just God. He was fully man. And he fully understands what it is to be a human. And and if you just look at the night of the crucifixion, you see that Jesus was betrayed with a kiss. And any of you that have ever been betrayed, you understand the depths of the pain that betrayal brings. Some people can't get over betrayal for years, some a lifetime. They still talk about what happened. It still nags at them. The wound still goes deep. And and Jesus was betrayed by one 
that he saved, that he ministered to, that walked with him, that was in his inner circle. And he was betrayed for nothing, for little. It was, it was so meaningless. And, and Jesus felt the wound, the deep wound of betrayal. Jesus felt that night the wound of abandonment. That, 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 that the disciples, the Bible says, fled in all different directions. They, they didn't stay. They, they didn't follow. They, they weren't with him. They were absolutely gone. Even to the point when Jesus was on the cross and the Father himself had to look away. And Jesus can't even handle that. And he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Them I understand. But you? It was the wound of abandonment, the wound of rejection. And if you've ever gone through difficulties in life, been abandoned by maybe even a figure that you thought would never, should never, one that was supposed to nurture you, a friend, family member, Jesus understands that wound. He received it. He, he was wounded physically in his body. He was tortured. He was beaten. He was broken. He was stabbed in the, in the side with a spear and spit on and laughed at and the crown of thorns dug into his skull. Jesus understands deep, deep bodily pain, absolute physical wounds he bared within his body. But he knew that the wounds in his body would heal our soul. This is why he chose to endure it. Even on the cross, he was mocked. And he prophesied that this would happen in his first sermon at Nazareth. He says, surely you will say to me, physician, heal thyself. And this was fulfilled when he was on the cross. The Bible says people walked by, they laughed and they mocked and they spat at him and they said, save yourself. Save so many. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. But the reality is if Jesus did save himself, and he could have, then we would not be saved. And he knew this. If he was never wounded, we would never be healed. If he did not die, we could not receive life. So humanity, of course, not understanding this, rejects the author in the invitation of life, even as he's doing the act that will bring life cheering for its own destruction, typical humanity, cheering for its own destruction. But Jesus knew that this must be done so that they may be saved. This is what Jesus did for us. He was a wounded healer. There's a story about a man in, that lived many years ago in the tundra of Russia, and he had very, very little. His job was to operate a drawbridge he would lift it up when the boats would come by and he'd bring it down so that the trains could go over it. He had nothing but a little son whom he loved very much. And when the son had Saturdays off, he would take him with him to his job. One of these days, they were down by the riverbank having lunch and fishing together when all of a sudden the man realized that he had lost track of the time and that the three o'clock passenger train was well on its way. He ran up the slippery banks and got to his gear controls to lower the bridge. But he soon realized that his son had tried to follow him up, up to his shed where he controlled the bridge. But his son slipped and fell and fell into the gearbox. At that moment, when he realized his son 
was stuck in a place where he would be crushed, he heard the sound of the, of the whistle of the train. And he looked and he saw the train coming right around the bend. And he had a decision to make. The life of his son or the life of the passengers, both innocent on that train. Through tears, the man gripped the lever and held it down and the drawbridge began to close. The train flew by the bridge, the passengers not seeing the weeping man in the gearbox, not seeing the weeping man in the shed, not even knowing the cost of their salvation. The Bible says Jesus was bruised for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that we deserved, our chastisement, was laid upon his shoulders, and by his wounds we're healed. Humanity is healed at a great price, and the price of our healing is the life of God's Son. There's a story, it's called, this is an incredible book, the biblical epic called Ben-Hur, A Tale of Christ. And in this story, there's a man named Judah Ben-Hur. He's a prince of Judea, and he's enslaved by the Romans. Many years spent in the galleys, and they took all of his wealth, and they took his position and his power, and they enslaved him, though he didn't deserve it. After many years, he came back to his home with vengeance in his heart, and he began to seek out the man that sent him there for, for revenge. He finds out when he returns home that his mother and his sisters are now lepers. They've been cast out from society, and they have to live now in the valley of the lepers. And as this man is being burned up with vengeance, the woman that he loves hears of a preacher from Nazareth who says, love your enemies and do good to those who persecute you. And so she brings Judah Ben-Hur and the mother and the sister to go hear this preacher. But when they arrive in Jerusalem, they find that this man's trial had already commenced and that he was condemned to death. They see Jesus carry the cross, struggling up the stairs. They join the crowd and, and there's this incredible moment when Jesus passes them by and the shadow of the cross falls on Judah's face and falls on his mother and his sister. And in that moment, the mother and the sister receive healing for their leprosy. Because the truth is, humanity is healed in the shadow of the cross. Later on, Judah recounts what happens to him as he follows this figure and sees him be sacrificed. And he comes back and he, he tells them, you wouldn't believe what I heard, that in that hour I heard him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he said, and in that very moment, I felt as if the sword was taken out, out of my hand. Maybe some of you have been in that place where the voice of God is the thing that began to still your soul, began to set you free, began to work in a way that you thought could never ever, in a, way, in a healing that you thought could never ever happen. What was Jesus doing in that moment when he said, Father, forgive them? He's praying for our healing even as he's wounded. More than that, he's praying for the healing of the ones that did the wounding. Who but the Son of God would do such a thing? What you and I have to understand is Jesus understands our hurt. He understands what it is to be wounded deeply. The Bible says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He's, we don't have a high priest that's unable to understand. There are few hurts that my child will go through that I cannot sympathize with. 
When he's sick in bed, I feel it. I know it. I've been there. When he's made fun of on the playground, I feel it. I know it. I've been there. When he's broken up with one day, I feel it. I know it. I've been there. There's few hurts that my child will go through that I have not yet already gone through. But a good father can't stop all the hurts, but he will hold you through all of the hurts. And we serve a good father. He never leaves. He never forsakes. He knows. God knows. God knows what it is to be rejected by your family, your friends, even your community. God knows. God knows what it, what it feels like when a child walks away from the faith. God knows. God knows what it is to suffer a long and arduous, arduous death. God knows. God knows what it is to lose an earthly father. With Joseph, God knows. God knows what it is to lose a child. God knows. He was wounded in every way. In fact, what you feel on a personal level, God has felt on an eternal level. He's a good God, and he knows, and he's felt. And the reality is God doesn't draw away from our pain. He draws close when there is pain. And the more the pain, the closer God comes. You serve an empathetic God. He doesn't just sympathize, he empathizes. He understands, he feels, he's been through it, he knows. And you gotta know the good news of this is our heart moves his heart. The Bible says that Jesus, when he went forth, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. Our need moves the heart of God. More than anything else, more than our sacrifice, our need moves the heart of God. You remember the Canaanite woman at Tyre and Sidon that came before Jesus and she got on her knees and she said, Lord, please help me. My daughter is possessed. Only you can help me. And you remember that Jesus said to her, he said, this is not my time. I'm here for the sheep of Israel. I'm not here for the dogs, for the Gentiles. And, and remember her reply, she says, even if I'm a dog. She didn't get offended. She didn't get hurt. She didn't get mad. At least a dog can get a scrap from the father's table. And Jesus loved it. He says, you passed the test, young woman. You passed the test. And in that hour, her daughter is healed. But think about it. She didn't bring a promise. She didn't bring a vow. She didn't bring an offering. She didn't bring a sacrifice. She wasn't even a part of the right religion. She was a Canaanite, an offshoot. But when she kneeled before the Lord and brought a need, it moved the heart of God. He came to heal. And more than that, God altered the whole timeline of his ministry to the Gentiles for this one woman. Before that, it was only Jewish people. Before that, it was only the flock of Israel. But because this woman kneeled and asked and was in, unafraid to be vulnerable with her hurt, from that moment on, God began to expand his ministry to the Gentiles. So you have this unknown Canaanite woman to thank for the ministry of Jesus coming to us. This is so powerful that she moved his timeline up. What did it? Her need, her desire, her asking. And, and it was a simple prayer. She said, Lord, help me. Can I tell you sometimes the most simple prayers are the most powerful prayers. 
Can I give you a simple yet powerful prayer that you can pray every day that God will hear and he will answer? Simply this, Lord, I need you. That is one of the most powerful prayers that I'm sure you can remember that God will answer. Lord, I need you. I need you in my mind today. God, I got a schedule. I've got some tricky meetings. I got some things coming up. Lord, I need you. God, with my child, I, I don't know how to lead them. Lord, I need you. Her daughter needed deliverance. Maybe your child needs deliverance. Lord, help me. I need you. God never ignores the needs of his child. I can speak for me. When I hear my child shout, Dad, I need you. I always respond. I mean, sometimes my response is, go ask your mother. (laughs) But I do always respond. Dad, I need you. It's always from the bathroom. You ever notice that? (laughs) The other day, last Sunday, this is wild. My, my, My wife walks into the, our bathroom and I hear this like screech from our bathroom. She goes, boys, what is all this Band-Aid trash on the floor? And I thought, Band-Aid trash? That sounds like an 80s band name. <laughs> Only with little kids would that sentence ever come out of your mouth. <laughs> when you as a child call to your good father, Lord, I need you. He always responds. He doesn't stay on the couch. He doesn't say maybe later. He always responds. Because our hurt moves his heart. Our need draws him close because he is such a good father. God doesn't just feel our hurt. He doesn't just hear our cry. He always responds. But we know that healing is a process. There's a story of a time when Jesus was, was brought to a blind man in the town of Bethsaida. And they said, Lord, will you heal him? The Bible says he took him by the hand outside of the city. And he spit on his hands. And he put it on this man's eyes. I don't know why he spit on his hands, but he's God and he can heal so he can do it how he wants. He puts it on this man's eyes and takes it off. And, and Jesus says, do you see anything? And the man says, I, I see, I see men they're like trees. In other words, that he was, he was healed, but still needed to be healed. He was in the process of healing. And the reality is many of you and I, we're in this place. We're in the process of healing. I've received a touch from God, but I need another touch. And there is no shame in saying every Sunday, Lord, I need another touch. There's more healing that needs to happen. There's more fullness that needs to happen. I'm thankful, God, I can see, but it's still blurry. I'm still not quite sure. Lord, will you touch me again? Lord, will you heal me again? Lord, will you forgive me again? Lord, will you relieve me again? Lord, will you renew me again? That's why I love the altar, because it's always the place where God touches people again. And this, this shouldn't just be the emergency room. This shouldn't just be the emergency room. This, this should be the gym. Where you come down and say, I, 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 I need to go again. I need to stay strong. I need a fresh touch. Lord, touch me again. 
And at that request, the Bible says that Jesus, Lord, the Lord Jesus, then laid his hands on his eyes again. And he opened his eyes and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. This guy's theme song was, I can see clearly now the day the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. What's the next verse? Gone are the... This guy was singing that all the way home. This is what Jesus is all about. This is what he came to do. And he doesn't just heal the sight of that blind man. He gives us vision. He heals our sight. And you know, I think we need healing in our vision just as much as that man needed healing. Because many of us see through prisms of pain. You see life through the hurt that happened to you. Or you see, you see life through that abandonment. You see life through rejection. Or you, you can't figure out why everyone's against you when that's not the reality. It's just a, it's just a lens. It's just a covering. And you can't see properly. But when you come to Jesus, he puts his hand on you again. And by his wounds, we're healed. And I believe that God wants to bring us into the fullness of healing. Complete and total renewal. And I want to keep coming back to God until I receive complete and total renewal. Can I encourage you? Come again. Ask God to touch you again. Keep pressing. Keep worshiping. Keep coming to church. Keep getting around his people. Keep getting in his words. Get where Jesus is so that his hand can touch the area of your life over and over until you receive the fullness of healing. Because sometimes it takes multiple touches to experience the fullness of healing. I had a friend who was telling me that uh, during this fasting season, he really felt God put his finger on an area of his life that he was still struggling in and it was undedicated to God. He's been saved for many years. He's telling me, when I got saved, God delivered me from, you wouldn't believe, just everything. He said, I used to, I, I, just like Armando was baptized, he said, I used to party, I used to, I was, I was an alcoholic, I did drugs, all to find myself. He said, but when I got saved, in an instant, God released me from all of that, that whole life. He said, but yet there was still this one thing that I just couldn't get over, this one thing that I just couldn't be released from. And I'm sure there were more things, but this was the main thing. And he said, but this fast, I felt God put his finger on this thing and say, now it's time to be healed from this thing. And he says, so I'm dedicating this, this, this few weeks to ask God, come and heal me again. Heal me more full, fully. Heal me in this area. And I think God's so good that I, I think he does some things in an instant, but sometimes we can't handle healing all at once. You come in like the man that, that was left by the side of the road that the Good Samaritan finds, and he'll bind you up and he'll put oil and, and he'll, he'll cover you and he'll carry you, but you, there, you need some time in the inn. You, you need still some more healing in the house of the Lord. And that's a good thing. It's almost like, it's almost like when God finds you, he, he finds all of these old, decrepit, corrupted buildings. And they're the buildings of your sin and your addiction. And he schedules them all for demolition. All right, we're doing this one. And then next season, that one. And then in a couple years, he thinks it's going to be done. But he thinks I don't see that shed back there. <laughs> and he allows time for cleanup. 
when he implodes an area of your life, he calls in the crew. I see God coming in. Look, this is a hard hat area. Don't come in here unless you're ready for it to go down. Brings the wrecking ball into your life. And it happens every, sometimes you don't even know when. I mean, there are seasons like fasting and prayer where it really happens and you invite the Lord or, or, or moments or events, but sometimes it's just on a random Sunday that God shows up, beep, beep, bring it in. And it's during worship that, that God says now, and he starts pulling down areas of your life that, that weren't built by him. And he renovates areas of your life that were, that maybe you let be abandoned. You, you let those parts of your life be, be, be uncommitted. And, and he says, I'm coming in with a renovation. I'm going to bring life back into this place. Don't worry about over there. I'm taking care of that. I'm knocking that down. But, but in this area of your life, this is mine. We're going to build this up. I'm going to build your faith up. I'm going to build your strength up. I'm going to build your emotions up. I'm going to build your mind up. I'm going I'm to build your body up. I'm going to build these areas up. Stick with me. And we're going to renovate this whole area. You'll love the place when I'm finished. But stay in the process with Jesus. I guess the question is, so what do we do in the midst of healing? What do we do when, when, we're, when we're being healed, but we're not fully healed yet? When we're, when we're still wounded, but now we're in the house of the Lord and we're called to be used by him and, and heal others. What do we do? Do we wait until we're all set? Do we wait in the midst of healing until we've received it 100% to serve God? Do, do we wait until there's perfect conditions outside? You know, if, you know, I'm a snowboarder. If you wait for good conditions around here, you'll never go. I was up, up north where we're going for the remnant retreat and I was, you know, testing the waters, you know. I was spying out the land and I, I went up to Gore Mountain and my brother-in-law was like, dude, you don't want to go there. Dude, it's all like wet and ice and it's horrible. And it's like, dude, I, I snowboard Wachusets. There's never been snow. It's just sheets of ice. I've, I don't know what good conditions are. I was raised by wolves. And, and I think sometimes, you know, the enemy wants to say, hey, don't serve until you're set. Don't love until you, you've got it down. Don't, don't, don't forgive until you're totally free. Don't, don't move until you are 100% healed. And, and, it's, and it's almost like sometimes we wait until we're like, we're like a stained glass saint. And, and we wait. And then once we finally are under museum glass, now we can be a light for Christ. But the reality is serving God is messy. Those buildings are being knocked down. He's renovating over here. He's bringing people into your life. And he says, all right, get to it. Let's get to work because I'm in the process of healing you. And, and, and it's under these conditions that we serve the Lord, that we follow him. We don't wait until we have a stainless, stainless life. What we should do and what I propose to you is that you become like Jesus, a wounded healer. This is ministry. This is, this is the definition of ministry. And make no mistake, it's not just pastors or leaders or, or worship leaders that have a ministry. Every believer has a ministry. And your ministry is to yourself. It is to your family. It is to those that God placed in your life. If you serve here on the A-team, you are a part of a great ministry. And though you are still wounded, God can still use you as a healer. Consider the apostle Paul. He tells us of a time where he had what he describes as a thorn in the flesh. Scholars don't know what it is, but we know that it bothered him, that it 
actually the word he used was tormented him. And maybe it was a physical thing. Maybe it was a mental thing. Maybe it was, you know, something he was struggling with. But all we know is he had this thorn and he begged God, begged him to take it away. Take it away, Lord. I can't deal with this anymore. I'm struggling with this. Have you ever prayed prayers like this? Lord, I need your help in this area. Three times, over and over, he brought it to the Lord. But three times God said, I'm, I'm not removing this thing. Until Paul got this revelation in 2 Corinthians, he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God's not waiting until you are perfect. God says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. So some of the areas that you would even consider wounds, God considers qualifications and credentials to serve him. This is my power. My power will work through you. And even as I'm healing you, I'll use you to release healing to others. In fact, I believe in your area of greatest wounding, you'll carry your greatest authority if you submit it to the Almighty. That's the caveat. In the area of your greatest wounding, God will give you your greatest authority if you submit it to the Almighty. If you keep it, God can't heal it. But if you bring it before the Lord, He will begin to walk you through this process that you'll be able to walk through with others. But I, I want to bring a slight correction to this principle because I've, I've heard people say when they're going through pain, and I've sat with them, we've been with them in the hospital, and they'll, they'll, they'll say, I know why God is bringing me through this so that I can help others. But can I tell you, God doesn't bring you through tragedy just so that you can walk with others through tragedy. God doesn't bring you through pain only for the purpose of bringing others through pain. Because the reality is we live in a fallen and broken world. We still are living under the effects and consequences of sin. This is not heaven. In heaven, there's peace. In heaven, there's no violence. In heaven, there's no sickness. This is not heaven. So we are walking still under a brokenness, but even as God is our guide and our healer. And, and, and I believe that, but that, that sometimes, or let me put it this way. I believe that God will use everything you go through for the benefit of you and those around you. But I don't believe God puts you through pain. That's a very important distinction because he never allows pain to be purposeless. He never wastes it. God never wastes pain. He never wastes pain. He's so good that he redeems even that. He redeems even your brokenness, even what was self-inflicted. He redeems every single wound. And so you might be saying today, well, well, what should I do? You know, what should I do? How, how do I become, you know, a wounded healer? How do I follow Jesus like this? A man that prayed for those who persecuted, who took our chastisement and brokenness on himself. Okay, well, how do we follow that? The first and the most important thing I would say to you is you must commit your wounds to the healer. You must commit your wounds to the healer. I would encourage you to not pretend that there are no wounds. Don't hide it. Remember what Adam and Eve did when they sinned? First thing, they hid it. God can never heal what you hide. It has to be brought out into the light. God cannot heal what you won't acknowledge, what you won't present before him. 
If there are areas of brokenness in your life, bring it before the Lord and begin the process of healing. And by the way, I believe even through that process, you'll pioneer healing for others that are in that process. But first and foremost, you've got to commit that area to Jesus Christ. Don't hide it. Hiding always leads to shame, guilt, more brokenness, lies, cover-ups. This is not the life God has for you to live. It's amazing how worse a wound can get if you never address it. Don't hide it. And certainly don't ignore it. Many times people will pretend it's not there. It's no big deal. But if you ignore a wound that's there and you don't bring it before the Lord, it's amazing how quickly your heart can get infected. Infected with unforgiveness, infected with resentment, infected with anger. And you say, I don't know where it's coming from. I would, I would propose that maybe it's coming from uncommitted wounds. That it's, 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 it's getting infected and it's hurting not just you, if you've never noticed a wound unaddressed, it doesn't just hurt you, it comes out and wounds everybody else. You've got to commit that area to the Lord. Don't, don't hide it. Don't ignore it. And most importantly, don't embrace it. I think that the challenge for this generation right now and the challenge for the, the generation we live in is to not embrace our wounds as our identity. Because I think sometimes people figure out that they can get some benefits from these wounds. They can use this thing. They can win arguments with this thing. They can get ahead with this thing. They, 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 they kind of end up liking this wound because it becomes an armor for them. And it becomes a sword against others. And so they'll embrace an area that God's saying, give it over. Say, I can't let it go. It's my pet wound. It's the thing that I visit at night. It's what keeps me as a victim. And if I'm a victim, then I have no responsibility. If I'm a victim, I've got no accountability. If I'm a victim, everyone owes me. The world owes me. I don't owe the world anything. Society owes me. I don't owe society anything. This is not the way of Christ. This is not the way of healing. God says, if you're burdened, if you're heavy laden, if you're sick and in need of a doctor, come to me. Don't hide it. Don't hoard it. And certainly don't accept it. These things, maybe even if they're wounds that other people put on you, let Jesus heal you. So I think sometimes we can say, well, this person did this and they did that. And I'm here for vengeance. But you know what's better than vengeance? Healing. Restoration forgiveness. Then I'll let God be the judge and I'll let God do what he's going to do. And I don't just mean against them. I mean for me. Like if you choose to forgive, you think God doesn't see that? He looks down and he says, you see what my son, what my daughter just did? They forgave that debt. Pay off their debts. Well, how does that work? It's spiritual. That God doesn't judge against, he judges for. That is powerful. So my encouragement to you is that today you bring your wounds to the shadow of the cross. And you allow the Holy Spirit to begin the process of healing. Think about how many times Jesus asked, he asked the people, do you even want to be healed? He wanted them to say it. Do you want to be healed in your body, your soul, in your spirit? 
I would propose to you that in the process of healing, you learn how to become a physician. Jesus is the great physician, but as he heals us, we learn the tools of the trade. We learn how to have empathy. We learn how to have faith. We learn how to have forgiveness. We learn how to be long suffering. What really happens as Jesus heals us, we become like the wounded healer. And God heals us through the wounds of Christ. And he uses the wounded to release healing. This is what Jesus says to us, go and do likewise. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you wanna learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.